Hey everybody. So as you know by now, the Colorado Supreme Court has kicked Donald Trump off of the Republican primary ballot in that state. That's what I want to talk about here. Um, I've got several things to say that you probably haven't heard anywhere else. Um, so let's get right into it. Okay, first of all, what is going on exactly? So a group filed a lawsuit in Colorado in the trial court to kick Donald Trump off the ballot because per Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, anyone who previously swore an oath to uphold the Constitution and then engaged in insurrection against the United States or gave aid and comfort to those who did is prohibited from um, serving as president or being any officer under the United States or a member of Congress or, or a member of state legislature or state executive. Um, so basically, you can't hold elective or appointed office in this country if you previously swore an oath to uphold the Constitution and then committed insurrection or gave aid and comfort to those who did. So that's the Constitution. Now, a group filed a lawsuit to get a ruling that Donald Trump is ineligible to run for president under that section of the Constitution. The trial court judge ruled in Donald Trump's favor. However, the judge found that Donald Trump did in fact engage in insurrection, but because the Constitution says officer and doesn't say president, this judge ruled that the Constitution section three of the 14th Amendment doesn't actually apply to the president. And therefore, even though we committed insurrection, I can't kick him off the ballot. This was a cowardly way for the trial court judge to avoid making the hard decision, knowing that it would be appealed and then hoping that the state Supreme Court would do the, uh, you know, take the difficult step of actually enforcing the Constitution. So it was appealed. It went to the Colorado Supreme Court and the Colorado Supreme Court must admit, I'm surprised, did the right thing here and ruled that Donald Trump is ineligible to run for president and therefore ineligible to appear on a ballot. Um, the reason I'm surprised about this is not because the Constitution doesn't clearly prohibit Donald Trump from being president. It does. I think that the text of the, the 14th Amendment is very clear in this regard. Um, I am surprised, however, because I didn't think the court would have the cojones to do this. Now, You've seen a lot of the commentary, uh, most of which is stupid, because most commentary about legal and political things um, is stupid. So I'm sure you've been hearing a lot of stupid crap. But there's this question about whether or not they did the right thing under the law. And that's really not open, an open question. They did. Um, the people who are saying that they didn't either don't understand the Constitution, have never read it, or don't care what it says, and this is purely political. For most of these people, it's purely political. But it's amazing how when you get uh, a legal ruling like this that, that affects politics, suddenly everybody's a damn legal or constitutional law expert. Have you noticed that? Everybody's an, an expert all of a sudden. Happens every time. Um, so why don't we begin by reading Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, so we're all on the same page. I'm going to read this paragraph. It's not too long, um, so listen up. 
No person shall be a senator or representative in Congress or elector for president and vice president or hold any office, civil or military, under the United States or under any state who, having previously taken an oath as a member of Congress or as an officer of the United States or as a member of any state legislature or as an executive or judicial officer of any state to support the Constitution of the United States shall have engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the same or given aid and comfort to the enemies thereof. But Congress may, by a two-thirds vote of each house, remove such disability. Okay, so long story short, why does this apply to Donald Trump? Uh, Donald Trump previously took an oath to support the Constitution as president. Thereafter, he either engaged in insurrection, which, you know, you can debate, I suppose. Did his speech constitute engaging in insurrection? Did the things that he did leading up to January 16th constitute engaging in insurrection? You want to argue that? You can. Um, what's not arguable is that he gave aid and comfort to, to those who did, okay? Um, that is inarguable. He gave aid and comfort to the insurrectionists on January 6th by refusing to, to put down the insurrection, by refusing to deploy the necessary military and law enforcement resources. He ignored pleas to do so. Um, he wanted this to happen. He encouraged them with his tweets during it. And ever since then, he has given aid and comfort to these people by praising them, saying that they're victims, that they're patriots, that they did the right thing, and that he's going to pardon them if he gets back into office. So whether you want to say he actually engaged in an insurrection, which I think he did, but if you want to say, well, I don't know, it's arguable, fine. There's no doubt that he gave aid and comfort to those who did, which in and of itself bars him from being president ever again or any other officer of the United States um, or, or a state for that matter. So that is the constitutional provision at issue here. And the Supreme Court of the state of Colorado said Donald Trump committed um, insurrection he is therefore prohibited under Section 3 of the 14th Amendment from serving as president, and therefore he should not be allowed to appear on the ballot. It's very simple. This is not a difficult issue. Now, this was a 4-3 decision. So there were three people who did not agree with this opinion. But what is important to note is that none of them disagreed with the idea that Donald Trump, in fact, engaged in insurrection. They agree that he did. They simply disagree that... Uh, Section 3 of the 14th Amendment prohibits Donald Trump from appearing on the ballot. Now, they said some things having to do with due process and, and other things, process-oriented things. Um, but substantively, one of the things that they said um, does, not, does not make this section applicable to Donald Trump is that it doesn't specifically say, and, this, and by the way, this is the, the basis that the trial court used to hold in Donald Trump's favor, even though the trial court found that Donald Trump had engaged in insurrection. But what they're saying is, Section 3 of the 14th Amendment doesn't specifically say that a president who previously swore an oath to uphold the Constitution shall be prevented from holding future office if he engaged in insurrection. Instead of saying president, this is what it says. Um... Oh my goodness, I'm losing it here. Let's just read it. No person shall be a senator or representative in Congress or who having previously taken an oath as a member of Congress, this is the important part, who having previously taken an oath as a member of Congress, clearly Trump was not, 
as an officer of the United States or as a member of any state legislature or of an executive or as an executive or judicial official of any state. So let's go through. That's the list. So he was not a member of Congress. He was not a member of a state legislature or an executive or judicial officer of any state. So the only thing that would apply to Donald Trump is this passage which says, or as an officer of the United States. So the question is, was Donald Trump an officer of the United States when he served as president? Now you would think, of course he was. A plain, plain common sense reading of this is, of course the president was an officer of the United States. But these people, who you'll see out there all over the place talking about this on social media and the cable news, and some of these judges said, well, it says officer of the United States. It doesn't say president. So because it doesn't say president, I don't know that we could really apply this to him. Well, that's absolutely ridiculous for at least a few different reasons. Number one, the common sense meaning of the word would certainly include the president of the United States, right? So the fact that it wouldn't just doesn't even pass the smell test. Number two, if you're going to use that logic, then this officer clause doesn't actually have any meaning because it doesn't actually specify any specific officer under the United States. It just says, or as an officer of the United States. It doesn't say vice president. It doesn't say department. It doesn't say um, attorney general or secretary of transportation or um, a general or, or any, it doesn't say any officer under the United States. It just says, or any officer. So if it doesn't apply to the president because it doesn't specifically say president, well, then it doesn't apply to anybody in the executive branch because it doesn't specifically name any officer. So that is ridiculous to say that because it doesn't name the president specifically that, that we can't apply it to him, then, then it would have no meaning at all and we couldn't apply it to anyone. Follow? So that, that whole argue, line of argument is stupid. The only reason that you would say that is because you want to reach a certain outcome. You don't want to apply this to Donald Trump and you're looking for something to hang your hat on no matter how stupid it might be. And so you go, oh, well, it says officer of the United States. It doesn't say president. So I guess it doesn't apply to him. That's ridiculous. Um, on top of that, another reason this is ridiculous is and by the way, nobody, I haven't heard anybody make the argument that it doesn't apply to other people in the executive branch. They're just saying, well, it doesn't apply to president because it doesn't say president. But presumably these people would say that it applies to other people in the executive branch. You know, I, don't, I haven't heard anyone saying anything other than that. You know, nobody is claiming that it doesn't apply to other members of the executive branch. Um, so to take that position that it applies to some members of the executive branch, but not the president, just because it doesn't say the president, is absolutely ludicrous. And if it does apply to other members of the executive branch, you're going to say it applies to pretty much everybody else, just not the president? So the people who wrote the 14th Amendment to prevent an insurrectionist or anyone who gauged in rebellion against the United States from ever serving in office ever again, those people meant to keep everyone else out of public, out of all public office, right? Anyone else except someone who previously served as president. So anybody else is barred 
from holding public office again if you engage in, in insurrection. Except the president. He can engage in insurrection all he wants and we'll still let him run for president again. Is that what we're to believe? That's what the drafters of the 14th Amendment had in mind? That's what the people who ratified the 14th Amendment had in mind? That we're not going to let anybody serve in elected office ever again if they engage in, in insurrection. Except the president. That's cool with us. If the president tried to overthrow the country, that's fine. He can run for office again. But, you know, if some low-level position guy did, well, hell no. He can't ever hold office again. That's ridiculous. It's absolutely absurd. So, it is clear. I mean, it's, it's, it's really not arguable that this applies to the president and that the president committed insurrection. Now, where do we go from here? You know, the state Supreme Court is the final word in the state of Colorado. Right? The state Supreme Courts in all the various states are the final word on state law in their state. But since this has to do with the enforcement of the federal constitution, the federal courts can get involved. So this is ultimately going to go to the Supreme Court. It, it really has to. I mean, the Supreme Court doesn't have to take it, but they're going to take it. They've, they've got to take it. Um, so ultimately, the Supreme Court is going to deal with this. Now, are they going to make, how are they going to decide this? Let me put it that way. Can they decide he didn't engage in insurrection? Well, how it works is when something is first goes to the trial court, and the trial court is the finder of fact, either the judge or the jury, depending whether there was a, a jury or it was determined by the judge. But the trial court is the, the court that hears the evidence. They hear the witnesses. They read the documents. All the evidence that's presented in court is presented at the trial court. So the trial court is the trier of fact. The factual determination that the trial court makes, for the most part, usually are binding on the appellate courts because the appellate courts don't hear evidence. They don't hear witnesses. They don't see the documentary evidence. They just rule on the law. They, they read the appellate briefs and they, rules on, they rule on questions of law, not questions of fact. Questions of fact are for the trier of fact at the trial court level. Now, in this case, the trial court found after hearing the evidence that Donald Trump engaged in insurrection. Now that finding of fact is binding on the appellate courts, meaning they must accept as a fact that Donald Trump engaged in insurrection, unless the record is so bare of any evidence to reach that conclusion. Then they could say, oh, there's insufficient evidence to reach that determination. But assuming there is at least sufficient evidence that someone could reach that conclusion. Really, the, the, the finding that Donald Trump engaged in insurrection is binding on the appellate court. So let's just go under that uh, presumption for, for right now. So once this gets to the Supreme Court, they have to accept the fact that Donald Trump engaged in insurrection and they simply have to determine this as a matter of law, whether or not the 14th Amendment, Section 3, applies to Donald Trump and whether it bars him from, from uh, holding any public office again and therefore bars him from appearing on a ballot. That is the question. It's simply a question of law for the Supreme Court, not a question of fact. That's very important to keep in mind. So the question of law, there's really... How is the Supreme Court going to rule? The answer to that is, I don't know. I know how they should rule, and it should be a 9-0 decision um, that Donald Trump is prohibited from running for office.
because he engaged in an insurrection and that he's barred under the 14th Amendment. That should be a 9 nothing decision. Do any of, us, any of us really expect it to be a 9 nothing decision? Yeah, probably not. I hope it should be because the law is very, very clear. The Constitution here is very, very clear. But we all have come to accept this fact, and unfortunately it is true, that lots of times the courts do not decide things on the basis of law. A lot of times they do, but when they, and most of the time they do, really, but when they have, when they're dealing with issues of politics, these justices are human. And they're supposed to put politics aside, but lots of times they do not. And the politics informs their decision. And what happens is, they decide they want to reach a certain outcome. And they look for reasons that they can argue lead them to the outcome they want to reach. That's not how it's supposed to be done. They're supposed to go at it objectively, look at the law and the facts, and come to an objective an objective conclusion based on the law and the facts, not their personal opinion at all. That's how it should be done. But that's not how it is done a lot of times in these politically charged cases. They, get the, they, they know the outcome they want, then they look for reasons to reach that outcome. Even if they know that those reasons are bullshit. If they have something that they can arguably hang their hat on, they will. Now the question is, how many of the justices are going to want to reach the conclusion that Donald Trump, you know, that the Supreme Court of Colorado should be overturned and Donald Trump should be allowed to run for president? How many want to reach that conclusion and will allow that desire, that political desire, to inform their legal ruling? How many? Well, I hope the answer is none. I hope they take their oaths of office seriously, their, their obligation to the Constitution seriously, and rule the right way. Am I confident that they're all going to do that? Unfortunately, I'm not. But there is a chance, and I hope that's what happens. To the extent that some of them allow the politics to inform their decision, how many of them are going to be of the mindset that they want to save Donald Trump here. I don't really think there's going to be a lot, to be honest. There's only two that I, that I worry about. One I worry about the most is Clarence Thomas. I worry about Alito a little bit. Um, I don't really worry too much about the others. And as I've talked about on previous videos, this, is this has been a court that has shown themselves not to be in the tank for Donald Trump. Except maybe with the exception of Clarence Thomas. They have ruled against him on, uh, on many serious issues that affect Donald Trump personally. I've talked about this. They have ruled against him on the election cases. If they wanted to help Donald Trump, um, they could have ruled in his favor in those election contests. They didn't. They ruled against him in a criminal tax case where they ordered Donald Trump to hand over his personal tax records to a prosecutor who was potentially going to indict him. Okay, If they wanted to protect Donald Trump, they never would have done that. So this is a court that has shown that they are not necessarily in the tank for Donald Trump. That said, I'm not completely convinced that they're all going to do the right thing. So that's why I'm not sure of the outcome. I think how... Look, I'm going to put it... It's, I really don't know. I'm just going to say like a, even 50-50. I really don't know at this point. Maybe a little bit more in the favor of the Constitution. Maybe 55-45, 60-40. I think there is a chance, and maybe it's better than a 50-50 chance, that the Supreme Court actually does the right thing here. And if they do, 
have politics enter into this, the politics might might persuade some of these conservative justices to actually do the right thing here. Because I've, as I've said before, so many people, politicians and elect, you know, elected politicians and stuff, so many of them know the truth about Donald Trump and they privately detest Donald Trump. But they're scared to death of Donald Trump and his followers and they need their votes so that they, they toe the line. They toe the line and give Donald Trump whatever, whatever he wants, right? Supreme Court justices aren't in that position. They don't have to run for office. They have lifetime appointments. If they look at Donald Trump the way most of those elected politicians do in private, which is that Donald Trump is an egomaniacal, authoritarian, uh, narcissistic, criminal piece of shit, maybe politics would persuade them that, look, this is our chance. All we have to do is faithfully uphold the Constitution and this guy can never be president again and we can be rid of him. He will never be president. The prosecutions could go forward. He'll end up in prison and we're done with him. And maybe the Republican Party can nominate a normal person or at least move on from this guy. So what the Supreme Court, what these conservative justices will do, I don't think can be presumed that they will do the wrong thing here. Um, because like I said, even political calculations could lead them to do the right thing. And the right thing is to go with the clear meaning of the Constitution, Article uh, Amendment 14, Section 3, which clearly prohibits Donald Trump from ever being president again. It's really not um, a close call, if people are going to be honest. But most people you see talking about this on cable news or wherever... They're not going to tell you that, a lot of them, that it's not a, really a close call. Either because, one, they just worried about their reputations and they don't want to say, oh, the Supreme Court, the right thing to do here is, is what I'm telling you. Because they don't want to end up being wrong, right? It's their reputation on the line. If they say that the Supreme Court should overrule this, uh, that the Supreme Court should, should uphold the Colorado Supreme Court and kick Donald Trump off the ballot, um, and then they don't do that. They're going to feel like they got egg on their face and uh, that affects my re reputation. So they don't want to take a stand, right? Um, but most of the co commentary you have is just politically mo motivated. Um, here's here's a, a common sentiment I've been seeing on social media. Um, I saw this from Joe Walsh, Republican former presidential uh, candidate. He challenged Donald Trump in 2020. Um, he was a Tea Party guy. Now he is he is adamantly anti-Trump. He's actually upset about this Supreme Court decision. And he's upset about it because of politics. He thinks, like everything else, he thinks this helps Donald Trump. And that he's saying this is anti-democratic. And he's saying that um, he believes that Donald Trump committed insurrection but that it is anti-democratic to kick him off the, the ballot that the people should vote. Okay, I've heard this sentiment a lot. Let's deal with it. Um, we're not a pure democracy, number one. So anti-democratic. What is, what is central to democracies besides the right to vote is that they're based on the rule of law. And in, in our democracy... The bedrock of our rule of law is the United States Constitution. That's the most fundamental, basic 
um, supreme law in all the land is the, is the Constitution of the United States. And the Constitution clearly says that Donald Trump is not eligible to serve as president ever again. This is simply an eligibility thing, by the way. This is not a punishment thing. This is an eligibility thing. No different than the other two qualifications to run for president and serve as president. You have to be a natural-born citizen, and you have to be 35 years or older. And that those were the original two qualifications. Then the 14th Amendment came along and added another qualification. You have to have not ever engaged in insurrection after having taken an oath to preserve, to protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States. If you took an oath to the Constitution and then engaged in insurrection, you're not qualified to be president. That's simply another qualification, just like 35, a natural-born citizen. So anyways, the Constitution is the supreme law of our land, and democracies are based on rule of law. This happens to be part of our law. You cannot run for president if you engaged in insurrection. So Joe Walsh and the other people who take his position agree that Donald Trump committed insurrection. So then what's their problem? Do they not know how to read? and Or they're too lazy to read Section 3 of the 14th Amendment? Because it's very clear if you read it, it applies to Donald Trump and it bars him from ever holding office again. So either they can't read or they're saying... To hell with the Constitution. I don't like this for politics, so my conclusion is we should ignore Section 3 of the 14th Amendment and let him run. Joe and everybody else who takes that position, how are you any better than the Trump cultists who want to ignore different parts of the Constitution? You're no better at all. You're just coming at it from a different... You're just wanting to ignore different parts of the Constitution. Well, actually, you are in agreement with the Trump cult on this one because they want to ignore this part of the Constitution too. But make no mistake, if you think that Donald Trump committed insurrection, then either you're too stupid to understand the plain meaning of the words written in the 14th Amendment, or you understand those words, and because of political reasons, you want to just ignore that part of the Constitution, which makes you no different and no better than the Trump cult. Okay? Either we have a rule of law or we don't have a rule of law. Either we support, protect, and defend and follow the Constitution or we don't. You don't get to pick and choose. Well, I like this part of the Constitution, but I don't like that part of the Constitution. Okay? If you don't like that part of the Constitution, there's a process, Article 5 of the Constitution, which allows you to amend the Constitution. You can change it. You want to get rid of Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, Joe, and whoever else wants to do that? then start the process for amending the Constitution to repeal Section 3 of the 14th Amendment. Until then, it has full force of law, and it should be followed. You either follow the Constitution or you don't. And if you don't, or if you pick and choose, then we're a lawless society. This is not based on the rule of law, in which case, what are you fighting to defend anyway? What is so important about defeating Donald Trump if ultimately you don't want to follow the Constitution either? So you're, you're, you're wanting to ignore the Constitution. Donald Trump's wanting to ignore the Constitution. You're just wanting to ignore maybe different parts of the Constitution. You're no better than he is. We, we follow the Constitution or we do not. Okay, what else? By the way, just as an aside, there's another important case that was decided earlier this week. You know, Mark Meadows, former chief of staff, indicted alongside Donald Trump in Georgia had filed a motion to have his case under federal law removed from the state court of Georgia to the federal court based on this idea that he was a federal official um, acting within the scope of his official duties. As such, there's a, a, 
a statutory provision in federal law which allows people in that circumstance to remove their case to federal court. The trial court rejected that. The appellate court rejected that. It went to the um, uh, federal court of appeals and they just rejected it too. Now, part of the reason they rejected it, and this is something I told you when this first happened, you know, so many times we ignore and we have been conditioned for courts to ignore the plain reading of the statutes at issue. Now, in the case of Mark Meadows, that statute, that removal statute only applied to, quote, former officials, former officials. It did. No, excuse me. Sorry. It only applied to current federal officials, not former officials. It only applied to federal officials. Well, at the time, Mark Meadow was in, Meadows was indicted and filed this motion and filed his appeal. He was no longer a federal official. He was a former official. And I said at the time, this statute does not apply to former officials. It only applies to current officials. And I explained why at the time it, it makes sense and the reasoning behind the, the statute. I don't need to get into that right now. But it only applies in the plain text of the statute. It only applies to federal officials, officials, current federal officials. So on that reason alone, Mark Meadows should lose that case. Now, I told you that from the beginning. And all the talking heads on cable news, they all, they didn't even give that any legal weight at all. They just all ignored the fact that the statute clearly only applies to current federal officials. And they said, they started arguing all these other parts of it. Was it within the scope of his employment and all this kind of, you know, in the scope of his official duties and all this other kind of stuff. But they, they completely glossed over the fact that the statute says it only applies to federal officials, current federal officials. They all ignore it because they have been conditioned for courts to ignore that kind of stuff too and rule on these issues however they want to rule on these issues. Well, guess what? The appeals court actually applied the plain meaning of the Constitution. And guess who wrote the majority opinion? His damn name is escaping me. Oh. Anyways, it is. I will remember his name as soon as I stop recording. Anyway, he is a longtime conservative federal judge who has been on the short list uh, for several Republican presidents for an appointment to the Supreme Court. Why can't I remember his name? This is really pissing me off. Anyways, he is a rock star conservative jurist, and at least he's always been a celebrated conservative jurist. Not now anymore. Um, and yet he ruled against Mark Meadows on this, right? So, and, and what was the basis of his ruling? He said, among other things, that this statute doesn't even apply to Mark Meadows because he's not a current federal official. Exactly what I told you the plain meaning of the statute said. Now, if that conservative jurist can rule against Donald Trump's chief of, former chief of staff in a criminal case in which he is co-defendants with Donald Trump, um, and presumably might even be forced to flip and testify against Donald Trump and send Trump to prison for the rest of his life, if that conservative jurist can apply the plain meaning of that statute and rule against Mark Meadows and presumably Donald Trump, um, why cannot the Supreme Court of the United States also apply the plain meaning here of the Section 3 of the 14th Amendment and also rule against Donald Trump? 
It absolutely can happen. Fingers crossed that it will. I think we have a shot. I am just worried about the politics. If the politics were not a part of it, I wouldn't be worried at all. Because this is a slam dunk legal issue. Um, and here's the truth of the matter, matter of it. If, if there are enough of the conservatives who are just looking for a reason to rule in Donald's, Donald Trump's favor, there's plenty of things that they can do. They can go along with this bullshit, well, it doesn't say president in the 14th Amendment argument, which is bunk. But they could go with that if they want. They could make up some sort of procedural thing. Oh, they didn't give enough notice here. Or, oh, they used the wrong color paper when they filed their appeal. I don't know. They could come up with some procedural garbage, which allows them to avoid the central question at issue and just say, oh, well, for whatever procedural reason, um, we have to rule in Donald Trump's favor. They could come up with any excuse they want to. Um, so that's what I'm concerned about. But if they're faithful to their oath, oath of office, if they're faithful to the Constitution and to the country they serve, um, this is an easy case to decide, and it really should be 9-0. And if that were to happen, Donald Trump... And so what would happen if the Supreme Court did rule in his favor? Would that kick him off the ballot nationwide? No. It would uphold the, the Colorado Supreme Court, and he would not be allowed to appear on the ballot there. And presumably, this would persuade a lot of other states who are considering doing the same thing to kick Donald Trump off of their ballot. And so we could be in a situation where... You know, a lot, of, a lot of red states are not going to do that. You know, Texas isn't going to kick Donald Trump off the ballot. Um, but if we get enough to kick Donald Trump off the ballot, he can't win, right? Um, and eventually, Donald Trump is going to end up in prison, and people are all worried about what would happen if 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 we um, rule that Donald, we kick him off the ballot, we don't even let him run for president. Oh, what's that going to mean? What are they going to do? What is his cult going to do? Where is this going to help him? Here's, here's, um, I printed this out. There's a million th comments floating around out there. I printed this out. Some, I don't know who the hell this was. Some nobody on Twitter, uh, posted this on one of my, something that I wrote. And he wrote, it's hard for me to see the Supreme Court affirming this decision. And the officer question will be the easiest way to reverse. Uh, he's not necessarily wrong about that because as I said, they could, if they want to go with that stupid line of reasoning. He continues, as much as I detest Trump, I see no good coming from this case. In the unlikely event the court affirms, Republican state legislatures would pass laws trying to keep Biden off the ballot. And we would find ourselves neck deep in the greatest constitutional crisis since the Civil War. Try to imagine what would happen if Trump lost because he'd been kept off the ballot in one or several states. Now, you see a lot of hysterical commentary like this. Oh, what could this lead to? If we kick Trump off the ballot, what are the Republicans going to do? What are they going to do in these red states? Are they going to kick Joe Biden off the ballot? Oh, no. Um, I understand the speculation, but as is the case for most speculation, um, it's completely uninformed, especially with this guy here. He's talking about... Well, the Republican state legislatures would pass laws trying to keep Biden off the ballot. Um, Republican legislatures could pass laws on whatever they want. That doesn't mean they're going to stand, okay? Um, if a Republican legislature, state legislator, 
legislature passed a law to keep Joe Biden off the ballot in that state for some reason. Um, Joe Biden would go quickly to court. It would be decided very, very quickly. And the, the legislature would be overruled. That law would be stricken down just like that. You know why? Um, because only the Constitution of the United States sets the qualifications for president. That's it. State legislatures have no authority to set the qualifications for president, and therefore they have no authority to set the qualification for ballot access to run as president, run for president in the United States. And the only qualifications for president under the United States Constitution were our natural-born citizen, 35 years of, or older, and um, you shall not have committed insurrection, as we've been discussing here. Those are the three qualifications for president. Republican state, le state legislatures cannot add additional qualifications. Any attempt to do so or any attempt to limit ballot access to someone who qualifies for president under the United States Constitution would be immediately uh, stricken down as unconstitutional. There's no question about that. Um, so this is not really a concern. But I hear a lot of stuff like this. What are they going to do if we do this? And frankly, I'm sick and freaking tired of that entire fucking mindset. That is the mindset that has led us to this point. Well, what will happen if we do this? You know, the Republican cowards in Congress, what happens if we convict him in a Senate impeachment trial? Oh no, we might get threats. Oh no, we might lose a primary. Everything, the reason Donald Trump is still in our lives is because everybody cowers in fear of what the other side might do. At some point, people need to grow a spine and just do the right thing. If at any point, anybody who was in a power to do so had done the right fucking thing, Donald Trump would be out of our lives. Donald Trump would have been impeached and removed from office and he never would have been able to run for president again for that reason. He would also be in prison by now. Okay, if people had done the right thing, if Merrick, Merrick Garland had gotten off of his weaselly little ass and appointed a special counsel on day one, Donald Trump would already be sitting in prison. Okay, time after time after time, people had the opportunity to do the right thing and they didn't out of fear. And I'm hearing the same crap now. Oh, we can't kick him off the ballot because then what are the Republicans going to do? Enough. Enough! How about we just do the right thing for once? The Constitution is clear. He engaged in insurrection, or at the bare minimum, he gave aid and comfort to those who did. He is therefore uh, disqualified from ever being president or running for president or any other office ever again. That is the clear outcome demanded by Section 3 of the 14th Amendment. Do the right damn thing. We are this close, this friggin' close to being done with Donald Trump. One court decision away. The Supreme Court takes this case, does the right thing, and Donald Trump is out of our lives, at least as a candidate and possible president, for the rest of our lives. And yes, he's gonna go apeshit. And yes, his cult is gonna go apeshit. But you know what? That will be short-lived. Because you know what else is going to happen? Donald Trump's trials are going to proceed. And given the fact that he will no longer be a candidate for president, they will proceed at a much quicker pace. And he is going to be convicted multiple times. And he is going to be sentenced to prison. 
and in the not-too-distant future, Donald Trump will be sent to prison. And at some point, this is all going to be a distant memory. So why don't we all just be big boys and girls and do the right damn thing? Apply the Constitution. Are we a constitutional republic or are we not? If we are, the Constitution demands the outcome here. It dictates the outcome here. Donald Trump is not eligible. Let's do the right freaking thing. Kick him off the ballot. Let these cases proceed. Send his guilty ass to prison. And let's move on. Stop with the cowardice shit. I fucking had it. All right. Still mad that I can't remember that guy's name, that judge's name. Like I said, I'll remember it as soon as I'm... Anyway, so I'm done. Been talking long enough. Thank you so much for watching this. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. If you do, please give it a thumbs up. Recommend my channel to family and friends. Help me grow this so I can keep doing this. And uh, that's it. Thanks so much for watching. Be well. Don't give in to fear. And I'll talk to you again soon.